0: Hello and welcome to the Sounds of Success. My name is Phil Butler. And
1: I'm Christina Bowie. This week for our fourth episode, we will be talking with Dr. Mia Carter on the value of a liberal arts education. So without further ado, let's get started.
0: Let's go. Well, this week we're excited to have an esteemed guest with us. Today we have Dr. Carter who is consequently my boss? She hates it when I call her that, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it's the truth. Uh, so I don't know who's more nervous about this interview, her or me, right now. Uh, but a little bit about <laughs> a little bit about <laughs> Dr. Via Carter. She's been recognized by Texas Exes as one of the most talented and inspiring professors at UT. She's been an English professor on campus. And she's also the program coordinator for the Mellon Engaged Scholars Initiative. But most importantly for me and Christina, she's also on the leadership team for the college as the Associate Dean of Student Affairs. And we are so excited to have you here today, Dr. Carter. Welcome.
2: Well, oh, thank you. It's a great way to wrap up a Friday with you all.
0: I think Christina is uh, an extra fan of yours. Uh, you have helped her get gainful employment uh, here in yes. the Office of Student Success. Yes.
2: <laughs> and it was, it was a Christina's, it's a perfect theme actually, because Christina ended up in this job because of a love of poetry. Yeah, yeah that's I, right.
1: I had studied a lot of Latin American studies when I was in college, wasn't really sure what to do, but I remembered that Dean Carter really likes Pablo Neruda, and so I sent Dean Carter a Pablo Neruda quote when I was asking for a reference. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I said, hmm, by the way, there's a, a job in the Office of Student Success, and voila,
0: the rest yes. is history, as yes. they say, right? And I,
2: I had nothing to do with the process except that sentence. Nothing at all.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's kind of funny. Last week, we were talking about faculty relationships, and you just never know. Like, if you hadn't sent that email, like, who knows where you would be right now and what you'd be doing, so how Not how making a podcast,
1: that's for sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and I think, you know, and, and, and the really important thing, I think, about that is that you know, students really need to reach out and make those human connections. And like, I never had Christina as a student where we've just been fortunate enough to be colleagues working in the student affairs division and um, in student affairs in, in Gebauer. And, you know, I've, I got to hear her and the other peers doing such a brilliant job of counseling their fellow students and assisting and supporting them. And I was like, we gotta keep we got to keep Christina if we can. Uh, um, so it's it's just fantastic to have someone from the college who's nice and generationally fresh.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank I agree. You. I agree. Yeah,
1: I always tell my students, you know, make those connections. And when we say connections, we mean, you know, actually build a relationship with people, get to know them. And I think that the connections that I built as a student in liberal arts were very organic. They felt very natural to me. It was never forced, you know. Um, I think maybe I've talked about this on the podcast before, but I think the most forced thing I did was... I would make up questions to go to office hours mm-hmm. with, but eventually it comes pretty natural. And I think that the relationships you build with faculty members and advisors and your peers are so important. And you are just the perfect person to talk about that with today as the Associate Dean for Student Affairs. So we're so excited to have you here.
2: Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: That's a good lead in, I think, to the, the first Topic of conversation is is connecting with, with students. You know, are, are there any connections you've been able to make with students over the years, Dr. Carter, that kind of stand out in your mind? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about how those connections got started.
2: Sure. I, I mean, I I always... Try to start my classes with just like the reality of what I hope my classroom will be like, like a learning community. So the first thing that the students have to do is arrange the chairs into a circle. Mm -hmm. And and, because I want everyone to know everyone's name, I want everyone to look at each other and really... Engage with each other, um, and you know, no, no back row hiding spaces. And it's very, it's been fascinating to see on on the first day of class over the years because there will be people that just kind of, they'll they'll get up and they'll move their chair into the circle, um, and then they get out of the class and they drop and they're like like I'm getting out of here, you know? this is too, too real for me. Um, but the students who stay in the circle really become a intellectual community. And, you know, I loved being a student and I loved school and I really want to uh, have that space of the classroom be a kind of shared learning space. I, I do not ever call myself an expert. I, it's like, yes, I've read more about the areas that I'm teaching and I really invested in some of the kind of questions of my discipline and my specialties, but I feel like I've always felt that teaching is an honor, um, and that getting to spend time with students who are trying to figure out who they are and what matters to them is a is a very special privilege. Um, so I use in the classroom that the kind of doctors. Um, credo of you know first do no harm and make sure that we have a good set of rules in the classroom for like no rolling eyes no passing notes no speaking over each other you know <laughs> and being responsible for the things that that come out of your mouth and um and 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 being protective of each other and and, and no kind of shaming and uh you know, I I have been incredibly fortunate to have like really crazy students who just, you know, have, you survive and learn how to um, navigate that really open kind of seminar style classroom and get, and, you know, realize that they're learning as much from their peers as they are from me. And it's like when people feel trust in the classroom and feel able to share their opinions and beliefs and their readings and interpretations. It's super dynamic. Um, and that's always been my goal, even if it's been a class of like 40, to teach it seminar style and have everybody looking at each other and, and learning how to dialogue and debate and disagree and share interpretations and different readings and perceptions. And so I've been really blessed by students who you know, I've had some students like in four four or five classes, and I was like, you have to go away. You have to yeah. <laughs> stay classes with other people. But you know that is also a like super bonus because um i I have a core of students in the class who who you know are used to that seminar style teaching and are just ready to go and ready to lead. and and so it's like a it's a it's a success that builds upon successes. And mm-hmm. a success that is created collectively, and that that collective spirit is really, really important to me. And I I think it it, it allows people to wander and ask questions and make mistakes. And I and I always confess my mistakes. You know, I'm I sometimes assign too much. Um, sometimes people will ask me questions that I don't know, and I'll in my early career I would. I think I was more insecure about that. And, you know, gradually I said, I don't, I would just feel comfortable going, I don't know, like, let's find that out together. Let's, let's research mm-hmm. and see what we can, what will, you know, when we're back in class on Thursday or whatever, what we figured out. And, and it, it made me more confident to like, let go that feeling that I had to be the expert um, about everything and just really practice actively practice being a learning community together um, and i think that's what's really great about the liberal arts and humanities and that we're asking questions about the meaning the value um, of human existence and community and identity and psychology and history and you know, there's no answers, you know, where it's the questions. Right. It's, it's the questions that really matter. And mm-hmm. so creating a space where those questions can live and um, and be filtered through so many different points of view and perspectives and cultural experiences and political, you know, ideologies and religious sensibilities. And it's like, that's really difficult work. And, and it doesn't happen. I mean, the classroom is... In my view, one of the few spaces in in our in our current culture where that happens, you know, where people with different beliefs and voices and experiences are in a shared space talking together, Um, and so um, that's I think that's you know I think that's why students kind of have stuck around, and I think that's why a lot of students choose to be liberal arts students. They're Mm -hmm. invested in the questions and trying to figure out solutions for the present and future.
1: That's Mm -hmm. what I loved so much about liberal arts is that you would learn with each other. You would learn from each other, the seminar style classes where everyone would do a reading and then we would come to class and there'd be no lecture and you would just talk it out. I think that doesn't really happen in a lot of other colleges outside of liberal arts. And that is something that I found very valuable But we know that a lot of our listeners are first-year students who maybe are concerned about their major choice, maybe concerned about, you know, the stigma behind liberal arts. So what do you think first-year students in liberal arts should keep in mind as they begin their collegiate careers?
2: I think one of the most important things is that your curiosity and passion as a student is a really important currency and foundation. Like, you might not know you know, if you're in the right major or what you want to do with your liberal arts degree. But you, you know, most students choose something that to which they're attracted and um, and they might not know how that's going to turn into a job. Right. But mm-hmm. I, I think if you embrace learning and curiosity and passion, you are creating a, a set of skills that employers and the data and research, um, you know, support this that employers want, like critical thinkers, analytical thinkers, people who are, are adaptable, um, people who know how to work in collaboration with, with other people. Um, uh, and I, I, I think I would say to first-year early students, like relax. Trust, <laughs> right. you know, like breathe like, through it. Um, like you know, we we don't have to figure out our, our, our future in in one step. Um, but really, sure. trust your passions and your curiosities and your commitments. I mean, a lot of students, you know, I think make the mistake of thinking they have nothing to offer. Well, you've you've made it to UT, so you're super resilient. Um, you 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 know how to. <laughs> Get things done and accomplished. Um, you come from a community. I'm sure that that community matters to you in, in particular ways. Um, those passions can be for the environment, or for social justice, or for sustainability, uh, for global peace. You know, the, the things that matter to you um, as an individual can become the the kind of cornerstone of a career and um, you know there's just so many great resources at the college and within programs i mean i I think it another really important thing for young students, freshmen, first year students to start thinking about early on is the you know the possibility of participating in in research cohorts I mean there's yes. lots of lots of departments and programs have research opportunities for students and um, and you know a, a research opportunity or or an internship or uh, can can turn into um, a, a career you know almost without the person being fully aware of like, oh my gosh, i'm I'm building a career like I'm building these skill sets. my passions have led me in this way, my commitment to you know questions of immigration or or children's rights um, could make me an advocate for other people, and so just like open, open your horizons and really kind of do an appraisal of the things that matter to you as an individual, and um, and you know kind of piece them together as as you go, and you know use the resources of the university. Advisors are key, key, key in this for sure. you know um, being just you know kind of good mentors and people to you know act as sounding boards and support systems when you are trying to figure out you know early in your undergraduate career what you what you want to do and what what matters most to you.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I
0: was thinking about how, you know, there's there's often kind of two types of students, like one who have known they wanted to be a doctor or a lawyer since they were like five years old. And like the path yeah. is pretty well trodden. Christina's got a story about that for her, so. <laughs>
1: yeah. Uh,
0: and then there's this other bucket of students who are exploring, right? Like they have just gotten to college and they realize, oh wow, social studies is actually like 12 different majors. And right. I have all these options that I didn't even know uh, existed before. Um, so it's really important that that you explore and and look at all the different things that the university has to offer, all the different types of disciplines and liberal arts. You know, I like to call us the College of Choice. You know, we have fifty ish majors, and that's a third of all the majors on campus. Right, right. Mm-hmm.
2: And you know, in both of those paths, you know, the the, the path of certainty. i like, I know I want to be a lawyer. I want, know, I want to be a doctor. And the path of exploration, um, they're they're each filled with surprises. You know, sometimes it's the student sure. who knows they want to be a doctor who takes a, you know, a, a, a class in YA literature or or, or children's literature and, and then really figures out, you know, that, oh, I want to serve children. I want to, you know, make sure that I want to be a pediatrician or the student who is on the more explorative path who, I mean, the thing that I loved about being a student was, you know, taking these very different classes and all of a sudden, you know, finding the intersections between them and that just became an obsession to me it was like like the matrix you know everything is connected (laughs) um and and having to think hard about those connections and and how you can make them make sense and be comprehensible in ways that might affect change or or help you you know figure out where your interests intersect and how you can shape them into a life a life a thinking life a career um you know i think i always and it's my own bias but i think liberal arts and humanities students are lifelong students Mm -hmm. so the beginning is a beginning and and there's lots of lots of help for kind of thinking about and there's just and you know part of that size our, our scale and our dimensions that you were just talking about phil is like there's are so many options, you know, there's so many ways to to piece together a really distinguished undergraduate, you know, career and, and, and degree that will turn into a professional career.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, you talked a little bit about like how your own education kind of shapes the way you look at the world um, and even how you approach the classroom. How does it shape the way that you run Student affairs, or the way that you interact with your friends and family, or run your household. How has how has your own liberal arts experience shaped the way you view the world?
2: Um, mm. There, there there were a lot of parts of that question. Um, For for, (laughs) whichever parts you
0: want to. (laughs) Well,
2: well, for for my life and you know family and personal kind of. Life question. I, I just, I still feel like a student. I'm still a voracious reader. When I was a kid um, and I was able to um, take the bus downtown by myself, I used to get on the bus and go to the public library and just walk the stacks. And I would just walk the stacks and Pick out books that looked really interesting to me and read, and you know, like about gangster biographies because I love those pictures in the gangster biographies, and read about revolutionaries, and read about, you know, female scientists, and and that interest in many things has always stayed with me. Um, mm-hmm. I, you know, I love film. and I'm, I'm a film fanatic. I really love music, and I love history, and you know, I I I think. Um, as an associate dean, I see students increasingly inclined toward that kind of interdisciplinarity, you know, that, um, I mean, if if you look at our college, some of the growing majors are sustainability studies, Mm -hmm. um, HDO, human dimensions of organizations, um, and international relations and global studies. And I think it's interesting generationally that, like, here's you know, larger and growing groups of students who are interested in big questions. I mean, sustainability, the globalization, I mean, those are big, big kind of questions about who we are in the world and our relationship to other countries and cultures and, and the natural world and the environment. And as an associate dean, I, just want to do more to encourage students to get involved with research, and I'm, I'm partnering with um, our, my fellow associate deans, and uh, particularly with Dean Rob Crosnos, and really trying to make sure that we expand the opportunities for undergraduate research in the college, because mm-hmm. um, that can just be so transformative. I mean, <laughs> it just can just change your whole life. I mean, writing an honors thesis, which is an opportunity for students in most of our our majors and programs is fantastic. And kind of working with a couple of faculty members um, one-on-one um, and writing your own, you know, developed research project that is your honors thesis is just a fantastic opportunity. But there's also lab opportunities and cohort opportunities where you're kind of working with a research team or a in, in a faculty member's yeah. lab um, that, you know, are increasingly part of the, the College of Liberal Arts. I mean, I think the digital humanities um, opportunities are on campus and in our college in particular are, are growing where, you know, students are learning how to use data and, you know, the kind of traditional tools of the liberal arts of storytelling and narrative and you know, contextualization and like how, how things relate to one another. Um, so uh, I think, you know, I, I would love to encourage students and we're, we're gonna try to do a much better job with our social media interns and our wonderful podcasts um, of, of letting students know what some of the opportunities are that are available to them. Um, and to just kind of go out there and, and, and seize opportunities. And as you're exploring, because, you might find that thing that is just becomes life defining.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It becomes I, a
2: spark.
0: Yep.
1: I just did a presentation with my students about research opportunities at UT. I was like, there's so many places for you to do research. Here are all the labs, here are all the professors, all the majors, all the departments, here's what an honor thesis is. And the typical response was, I didn't know that you could do research in liberal yeah. arts. I thought research was, you know, oh, how to cure cancer out. as a bio but, <laughs> like push the little beakers around and pour in the chemicals and the goggles and everything. But no, it was very um, – I wouldn't say shocking because I went through the same thought process as an undergraduate student. But we as a research university, we just don't seem to reach a lot of students on the value of liberal arts research and making those connections and getting a deeper insight into your interests. because there are so many opportunities for students out there. And I think that um, research made me appreciate liberal arts so much more as well.
2: Yeah. And, you know, and, and, that, you know, I do feel that we, we, and partially, I mean, like me as an as associate Dean of student affairs needs to do a better job of just like disseminating that information about opportunities and having, you know, it would be great on, and we, we have another uh, podcast that we hope to launch um, called the Li- liberal arts futures um, in the spring. And, part of what I want to do on that one is to have students who have had research opportunities talk about those experiences to their fellow students, students who have had their lives transformed by internships or study abroad experiences, share, Mm -hmm. share those. When, when we can travel again, please. (laughs) Um, But, you know, have students really helping to, uh, you know, because I can sit there and say, "There's these great opportunities out there. You must go and get them, go and you know, and get them." But it's so much more valuable for students to share their own learning experiences sure. with their their peers and their excitements and the you know the processes of you know even getting ready to go on a, a study abroad. Um, you know, I just um I just think we need to do a much better job of. Of making those opportunities and experiences visible and much more democratic, um, it's mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, m- led me to accept the job as associate dean. I mean, there's there's often uh, you know there's worlds of students that you know just they're, Part, some of those students who like know their path, but, you know, I want to right. be a doctor or a lawyer. And they're just like, they're out there cultivating every opportunity possible. And they, you know, and, and then there's students who, you know, we need to be a, do a much better job and meaning I, um, partially, of, of just, you know, in, in uh, putting opportunities in front of students and making them aware of, of the many, many rich, Avenues that they can explore while they are here at UT.
1: For sure.
0: Yeah, I, something Christina was just talking about this idea of like research existing only in laboratories. Um, you know, this is something we don't spend a lot of time talking about, but it, it is something that exists. Uh, this Cold War out there of, of STEM versus the liberal arts, um, and there, you know, there are stereotypes of liberal arts students. There are stereotypes of STEM students, and you know, these stereotypes have a real impact on our current liberal arts students. Um, what are your thoughts on this "quote-unquote" cold war that's happening? And what do you what do you tell people who try to pit STEM and liberal arts versus each other?
2: Uh, I mean, I, I tell them that they're wrong. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, you know. Then, no. Yeah, no, no, you know, and you know, I mean, in the old days at UT, um, liberal arts and CNS College of Natural Sciences were together. Right, Same um, college, right? Yeah, oh, really? co- yeah. Was it, 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 it was called Liberal Arts and Sciences, I believe. Yeah, um, liberal arts and, yeah and this is the anniversary. I think the. 50th or 25th anniversary of the, the separation of those two colleges. But I, you know, I I, I do think the, the the supposed war between STEM and, and liberal arts is just wrong-minded. I think it's something that is, um, you know, become part of a public and media discourse that is very inaccurate about the kinds of work that is being done in the liberal arts. And, and the most obvious examples of, of this are um, you know specializations like sociology or psychology or economics that have both you know the qualitative and quantitative w- worlds that are, are using are using data and statistics and and research and storytelling and narrative and historical context and social context and all those things so I think we you know we have our own examples within the college of disciplines where those divisions are, you know they're they're artificial that there are scholars working in in both ways um in in particular fields and um yeah i just you know i i think it's a self-defeating narrative to to think that you know all the serious stuff is is being done over there in the stem world um you know uh the 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 kind of questions of what bigger questions are there than the questions of humanity, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, and science is part of that. But so is analysis and research and argumentation and, you know, evidence. There's all kinds of evidence and data in the world. It's not just, you know, numbers and science. I mean, history is data. History yes. is, is evidence. You know, Sociological observations are data and evidence. You know, people's oral histories, um, people's stories are data and evidence. So I, I just think that we have to you know, actually recognize our own scientific um, and really valuable analytical tools that are deeply inherent to the liberal arts and humanities. And there are, there are all kinds of data. Um, And and we we deserve ourselves as human beings if we cleave the relationships between the STEM world and the liberal arts and and the world of liberal arts and humanities. They're they're deeply integrated. Um, And so I think that, you know, the war is a fiction. And uh-huh. one that we need a
0: like a boxing match. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah you does. know,
2: we're so you know sometimes we get so invested culturally in these divisions, and um, and you know I think you know the universities are in are not utopias, which I know very well, <laughs> but we 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 do have practices of working together that um, you know we need to defend and exhibit um, and and. Um, uses models for improving society in the world. I mean, I think that's what universities, it's one of the jobs of universities to work together to make life better for as many people as possible.
1: That's that's something that I also wanted to touch on as well is I feel like a lot of the times in this um, fictional Cold War between STEM students and liberal arts students comes down to, you know, what are you contributing to this world? Like, what are you doing? Um, How much money are you making? What are you producing? Mm -hmm. And that conversation, first of all, I got thoughts, but it's just so (laughs) insidious that we that we could only value um, the disciplines that produce a certain thing that makes a certain amount of money which I think is ridiculous because a lot of this education, you know, you're pretty, you're all paying the same amount of money around the same amount of money for your degree. And you do have very similar job opportunities. And I've noticed too, that a lot of companies nowadays are looking specifically for liberal arts majors and um, because you can teach anyone to do math and to do quantitative analysis that they would do in STEM as well. It's just that liberal arts is years and years of cultivating your ability to think critically and work with a team and be adaptable. And so I think that a lot of times liberal arts students feel, because I felt this way, very insecure about their major choice because it was Mm -hmm. like, what am I going to do with that degree you know what are you going to do with that yeah. english degree that sociology degree that question just really irks me so i was wondering what you had to say about that question what are you going to do with that degree
2: yeah i mean it's a tough question but one last last year and when, um when i my first year of being associate dean one of the first events we had was the parents' weekend, and and it was just this kind of like uncanny good opportunity of all these. Art- there were all these articles coming out about different industries and you know um, uh, businesses that wanted liberal arts and humanities students. So I had this really great collection of clippings that was kind of was comparing the arc of a career for people in STEM and mm-hmm. the arc of the career for people in liberal, liberal arts. And guess who comes out kind of on the top, even in terms of salary, it, it's the liberal, art, liberal, liberal arts based yes. on your
0: statement. Yeah? Yes, yes.
2: <laughs> you know? And it was great <laughs> to have all these, you know, you know, research uh, articles that were citing the research that I could, that I could quote to parents. Um, and, and part of it is, you know, that technology changes and shifts. And so you, you can reach an, an arc of your career in a STEM field. And then it's like the next people who are trained in the new technologies and stuff. And what has, what tends to happen for people with liberal arts uh, degrees um, is that they ascend over their, over the arc of their career. They move into, you know, managerial positions and move up, up the kind of professional ladder while people in STEM fields kind of reach their, reach a, a a a level in their career and they they just stay there so i mean it was uh, it was really interesting to after that parents um uh, weekend event uh, all these parents were you know can i have can you give me those citations so you know i did i you know, gave people my card and my emails and um because they, they want to support their students passions for liberal arts but of course you know those concerns about paying the rent and having a job afterwards are, are real for both students and parents. So the mm-hmm. parents were so excited to hear about all the this, you know, research um, that was being done and kind of comparing the the arc of the professional life of the STEM student and the, and the liberal arts student. And, you know, uh, I, I think those things are really important. Um, and I also think the quality of life is really important. It would not, which is not to say, or even imply that people in STEM fields don't have a high quality. That is not my implication at all. But I, I do think that, you know, um, finding what matters to you, what gives you passion, what enables you to feel like you're serving others. Those are really important currencies as well, you know, yeah. and not just the the salary and a well-lived life is an achievement and a life given in service to ideas and, um, evolving thoughts and problem-solving, I mean, I think those are really va- incredibly valuable um, currencies and skills and tools, and we in the liberal arts world just have to do a better job of, 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 of educating the public, really, of, mm-hmm. of, of why and how those, those, those skills and qualities um, matter.
1: Absolutely. I know my dad is listening to this podcast and it's going to be a dinner conversation at some point. (laughs) he's gonna be like so uh dean carter she said that she was giving out citations and business cards can i get one <laughs> <me?" laughs>
2: i have quite a collection of those articles you know, because I, I just i want my evidence ready for when you know people are like oh, i don't know what i'm gonna do or there's there's you know what an english major all they're gonna do is wait tables like aha no and, <laughs> and here, here, voila here's some some examples for you
1: Yes. So um, we know that you hold many, many titles on campus and that you are incredibly involved with the students that you work with and the students that you teach. What about your students inspire you and what have you learned from them?
2: Oh, I like this question. Um, I have learned so much from my students and um, I've I've learned how to listen much better um Mm -hmm. one of the great great pleasures of being an english professor is you know reading books that really Mm -hmm. matter to me and that i think i know well and then seeing them through a younger generation of people's eyes and through the complexities of you know the present moment um like the words in the book don't change but our world is changing and evolving and um, and so I've I've really I think I've bec- I think I've become a better thinker with students. I think I am a better thinker with students um, than I am in my my own head. Um, I think I've become a much more open minded person because of um, the of the wonderful, quirky People that you meet <laughs> regularly in, in the classroom, and you know the way that you might make assumptions about someone initially, and they just turn out to be so 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 wrong. And that's all. That's a really great instructive experience. Um, I I love teaching. I love I love being in a room thinking with other people, and um, uh, so I I I feel honored yeah, I've, I've been really missing. I didn't think I was, I think I thought I would enjoy like this year of settling into the Dean's job and not teaching. And I've so missed the classroom. And so I'm, I am teaching next, next year, and I'm really looking forward to getting back in the classroom. Um, cause it just gives me, it gives me hope, um, yeah. mm-hmm. about, about change and about, you know, sharing that, that, that process of people figuring out what they want to do and who they want to be. Well, I mean, that's just the biggest honor, um, that, that a teacher has in, in their life and just like being part of that support network for, for a student. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I've, I just miss, I miss all of it. I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to being back in the classroom and I so treasure the, the things that students have taught me.
0: What will you be teaching, out of curiosity?
2: I will be teaching, um, I'm going to teach a UGS class that <gasps> is um, on represent European representations of America on film. And America is wow. kind of in quotation marks because some of them are questionable, you know, questionable yeah. interpretations of the United States. And so there. that was a really fun class to, to put together. And then the, I, the other class that I'll be teaching, I believe, is my major author's Virginia Woolf one. Ooh,
1: those are such amazing options. I can't wait to recommend them to my students next year. This conversation is really making me miss being in a classroom, not teaching, but learning. <laughs> well. like, actually learning and talking in those seminars. And wow, I miss it so much.
2: Yeah. So do I. <laughs> so do I. You know, my, I always had this uh, lottery fantasy, you know, like, you know, it's like, I, I don't really play the lottery, but my husband does every once in a while. And I was like, if he, if, you know, if we ever hit the lottery, I would, I would go back to school. You know, mm-hmm. I I would just be a student and, and study. You know, I would take more philosophy. I would take more art history. I would, I love history. I love history so much. Um, I definitely could have been a history yeah. major or professor. And um, that, that, just, you know, being in a university setting is such a, a rich way to live. Um, sure. uh, mm-hmm. and so, I agree. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for your time today. This has been a great conversation. I hope you've enjoyed your time here on The Sound of Success. Um, we thank you so much for being with us. It was really... Yes,
2: thank you was, so
1: much, Dean Carter.
2: It was lovely to hang out with both of you. Thanks so much. And um, uh, You know, when we are back in that in-person world, um, my my door in Gebauer is generally open, and I will, you know, I, I always tell students or... Um, Peers and faculty, on par. You can, Christina. You can attest to that. My door is open, yes. and you know, feel free to pop in. And and you know, I would just you think it's really important for students to just make that breakthrough. Of if there's a if a professor, um, or instructor that you have, and you just feel an, an affinity toward them, like do that awkward thing of making an office hours visit and starting to right. build, build a relationship. It mm-hmm. the, it's such a heartbreaking thing to. You know hear students say i, I want to apply to, for this position and i don't have anyone to write me a letter of recommendation and that's not the only important thing about building relationships with pro- professors it's just really great to have someone that can you know can that can be a mentor and a guide and a sounding board um so to like do that awkward thing visit office hours whether they're you know on zoom or in person um, and and make make those critical contacts
1: yes yes
0: we say it all the time here too it's nice to hear it reinforced uh time and time again have a great rest of your day and uh, thank you guys i appreciate you again
1: dr carter it was
2: a great pleasure
0: Another wonderful conversation with a campus expert, uh, again, who just happens to be my boss. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, we have Digital been super years too. <laughs> Also, yes, we've been really looking forward to this episode with Dr. Carter for a while. This was one of the first episodes that we came up with when we were just planning this podcast because Dr. Carter is just the person to talk to when it comes to anything liberal arts. She is absolutely a rock star.
0: Yeah, I mean, I wrote down a couple of things uh, that we haven't really talked yet much about on the podcast, but I think that are, are super important. And she made me think about it. And one of them is like learning from peers, right? Like we've been spending yes. all this time talking about learning from faculty members and campus resources and doing the best you can in your class. But there's just so much that you can learn from other students and upper class students. And eventually we're we'll bringing some some of our mentors to kind of talk about student mentorship and talk more about that. But it's just a good reminder, like there's so much that you can learn from other students, not just your professors.
1: Yes. That's why your professors keep putting you into these breakout rooms with random people from your class. So you (laughs) need to participate. (laughs) We know it sucks. We know it sucks, but I promise you, you get so much out of it. I would give an arm and a leg to go back to my undergraduate upper division seminar classes. I would do anything to experience that again, just because there's really, there's really nothing like learning collectively, learning As a community, learning together and talking through ideas with each other and picking up new conclusions and expanding your views with each other, it is just such an interesting dynamic that I would do anything to experience again. Like, wow, Mm -hmm. I miss being a student so much. And um, I think that, you know, this podcast, we really do stress making those connections with your professors and with your advisors and everything. But I think that some of the best connections I formed in college were connections I made with other students, either Mm -hmm. my peers in my classes or in my student orgs there. Yeah, me too. It's just so organic. It feels much easier than it is. It's a lot less intimidating and you have so much to talk about. It's very relatable. I think that making those peer connections is so, so valuable and it's just a lot of fun as well. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, we should definitely try to emphasize learning from our peers and building those connections with each other.
0: Another thing I kind of noted when she was talking about uh, which majors are are on the the rise as far as growth and getting bigger. And, you know, she mentioned sustainability, international relations and global studies and human dimensions of organizations. And those are all relatively new majors. You know, I know when I think liberal arts, I think like English, history, humanities, philosophy. I don't necessarily think about those things, Um, but it kind of made me think like, you know, sustainability is about the future, right? Like globalization Mm -hmm. is about the future. Understanding human organizations, it's it's a really futuristic way to look at you know, the world and, you know, our students and liberal artists are interested in big picture questions. And, you know, history is definitely part of looking backward, but there's there's just as much looking forward in the College of Liberal Arts as there is, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding the human condition.
1: Yes, for sure. I think that, you know, um, with STEM majors, they're adapting to all of these like technological changes, all of these new discoveries in science and health and everything like that. But with liberal arts majors, we're doing those same discoveries. It's just a different type of discovery. We're adapting to just as many changes. We're adapting to changes in how governments relate to each other, changes in how humans communicate with each other, changes in how organizations are structured, how they're built. There are so many things that are changing that need to be looked at from a more humanities and social studies focused perspective. And liberal arts certainly gives you that ability to do that. And I think that liberal arts gives you the how and the why to a lot of these questions that STEM majors may be asking. And so Mm. that's also why we wanted to talk about, you know, STEM versus liberal arts, because a lot of times in career in careers and in um, making changes to the world and improving the world and making progress, it's because liberal arts and STEM have so much in common. They have to absolutely combine their strengths. There's so much to be done that one discipline and one perspective just cannot get done. And so all majors are very, very valuable because they contribute to some form of knowledge production that we deserve to have and deserve to know.
0: Yeah, Dean Carter talked about like, even in her own classroom, what makes it so great is the diversity of thought and the diversity of opinion and perspective. And like, you know, as much as we all love our iPhones, and we're glad that they work and they work the way they were like, imagine if every single American was doing STEM, like we would be robots, or you know, we would Mm -hmm. just be all about just the math and like, things would be probably pretty rigid. And likewise, if everyone was a liberal artist and, you know, constantly deconstructing or critically thinking about all systems in place, like that could be anarchy too. Like the the beauty is in the, the mixture, right? <laughs> and having like all the right ingredients um, in the right proportion to kind of bake this cake that is our human experience. For sure, for sure. Um, and, you know, and speaking about critical thinking, you know, she talked about how, uh, you know, the trajectory for liberal arts students, uh, you know, it, it, it keeps rising uh, the longer they get out of college. And I, I think that critical thinking is probably part of that, right? Like, once you acquire that skill, it's almost like Pandora's box. You know, I, I like <laughs> to joke whenever, like, you know, I get in, quote unquote, trouble at work, like it's the college liberal arts fault. Like they taught me to think critically and to criticize and really like understand uh, what's happening from a lot of different angles to try to get a quality outcome. So, uh, you know, I really appreciate the folks that can critically think and, you Mm -hmm. know, can decipher the difference between fake news and real news and are asking hard questions and, and not just taking things at face value.
1: For sure. And I think that critical thinking comes in handy in so many situations as well. You know, critical thinking isn't just analyzing a book or analyzing an event. Critical thinking is creativity and how you lead. It's creativity and how you work with a team. And those are just the tip of the iceberg for the value that liberal arts has and the things that it teaches you you know with hard skills you can learn that but with soft skills it's something that you constantly need to work on and have it be at the foundation of how you look at the world around you and so you know we keep saying this but liberal arts is a wonderful place to uh, get the knowledge that you need to change the world and you are not at um, you are not at a disadvantage just because you don't know how to pour chemicals into a beaker or just because you don't know how to build an app. Those are all things that may be necessary for other types of careers, but they're not necessary for every single type of career. And the skills that you gain in liberal arts are necessary in every type of career.
0: Well, and that goes back to critical thinking, right? And, and if you can... if or even being a lifelong learner. I know Dean Carter kind of talked about, you know, being curious uh, is a part of, of the liberal arts education. So, you know, even if you don't know how to do those things, you don't have to learn them in a classroom. You can teach yourself app development. You can teach yourself math, like you kind of talked about that during the podcast. You can you can learn those skills if if you are good at learning. You can teach yourself just about any skill that you need Absolutely. to accomplish something. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're just about out of time for this week. Uh, thanks again for another awesome conversation.
1: We will be back in the next episode with a conversation with our mentors. So you'll get to hear a lot more from other liberal arts students that are maybe a little bit older and more experienced. They can navigate liberal arts and get the deets from them.
0: We really appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. Thank you so much. Uh, Until next time, uh, my name is Phil Butler.
1: I'm Christina Bowie.
0: Have a great week.